Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we are going to, um, (laughs) I am going to do an analysis and a rant about today's headlines. Uh, This world is getting uh, more chaotic and more crazy each day. Um, Some of these things that you see in the headlines, you couldn't have even been made up by a Hollywood writer. So um, I'm going to talk to you today. I'm going to give my psychiatrist perspective on the various things in our crazy world, including impeachment, the coronavirus, Megan and Harry, Harvey Weinstein, his trial, and Kobe. I hope to be able to uh, get all of this in. But basically, uh, I'm going to be... <laughs> I'm going to be saying a lot of things that you're not hearing other people talk about. Um, I'll start with impeachment, but no, I know everybody, nobody wants to hear about impeachment. I'm going to be telling you about what you can talk to your kids about if they ask you questions about the impeachment. I'm not going to get into, you know, who said what and who's right and all of that. I mean, to be honest, I, (laughs) I think that this whole impeachment trial is a hoax. I think that um, I think that it's a, it's really damaging our country um, in the sense that not only is it increasing divisiveness, but um, when you have a president, any president, who is facing impeachment um, at the same time that he has to deal with all of the craziness that's going on in the world, the Middle East, uh, North Korea. Um, you know, now the coronavirus, um, just all of the, uh, you know, everyday things that really a president should be paying attention to rather than having to defend himself in an impeachment trial that was brought by an anonymous whistleblower. Oh, I said I wasn't going to go into it, but I can't help ranting about this. I think what bothers me the most about this impeachment trial is that it all is uh, based upon an anonymous whistleblower whose name was given out at one time, um, but but then we, ha- we I don't we don't even really know whether that was the person, and if it was, um, certainly he hasn't been in the news very much after that one time, you know, after a name came out at one time. Um, but so for all of this to be, you know, if someone has something on a president that's significant enough to impeach them upon, then the person should not be anonymous. They should come out and say whatever it is that they think is wrong and, um, and be questioned about it. Um, you know, it's, it's just this, this cloak and dagger uh, to, to all of the... All of the um, fuss that this anonymous um, uh, whistleblower has created, it, it just, he's lost the right to still become anonymous, to still be anonymous. So, and I can't, I can't believe that people are running around doing all of this, you know, based still on, on someone who's anonymous, because you can't really you know, get to the truth if the person himself who started this fuss isn't going to come forward um, and, and give his version of the story. In any case, um, let me tell you about what you could, if your kids are asking about impeachment, um, then first of all, it's best not to get into too many details in regard to the politics, but rather to just explain impeachment as what would happen, you give them an, a, a metaphor, what would happen in their class or their school if some kids didn't think the class president or the school president was doing a good job and they wanted to investigate and find out whether they should fire the president and let another student be president. So that's a good way to bring it down to their level. Then um, you can reassure them by saying things. I mean, the, the language has gotten so 
vitriolic, so um, so angry, so threatening um, that kids are going to be worried that the president's going to be killed, other people involved with this are going to be killed. So you need to reassure them by saying that they're not going to physically, well, we hope, they're not going to physically hurt the president. In fact, he may still be president when this is all over. And at this point, it seems very likely that he'll still be president. Um, it's just about people who belong to one group called Democrats not agreeing with the other group called Republicans about how this country should be run. And then you can use the impeachment process as a lesson for kids to talk about how, or to, to teach kids how it's important to talk about things you disagree with instead of beating someone up. So as um, vitriolic and angry and aggressive, you know, the, the dialogue is in the impeachment, at least people, again, up, as, as I speak up to this date, um, nobody's beating up anyone else except verbally. Um, then depending upon which side you're on, if you, you know, if you want to tell the, your child your, your side, what you believe in, that's fine. You can say, for example, um, uh, if you, if you're a Democrat, you could tell them that it's important. Um, well, if you're a Republican, you can tell them that it's important not to be a sore loser and try to ruin it for the person who wins. Or um, if you're a Democrat, you might want to say that it's important to do a good job and recognize that if you don't do a good job, if the president doesn't do a good job, there may be people who want to fire you or whatever kind of job you have in life. And then, um, kids, you may already have started hearing your kids say things like, I impeach you to someone who they don't like or who they're angry at. Um, now, we'll, we remember that uh, with Clinton... What kids learned, they were paying attention. They, what all kids learned, um, what oral sex is. That's what they learned from the Clinton impeachment. I guess we still have yet to find out what we are going to learn from the Trump impeachment, other than, um, other than there's all this rivalry going on in the country. Now, Alan Dershowitz, actually, was supposed to be a guest on my show uh, last week, I think it was, last week or today. In any case, he is not guesting on anybody's shows except in regard to impeachment. He's, been a, he's a little too busy right now to be um, on a radio show. It was supposed to be to be talking about his book, um, which has nothing to do with impeachment. So hopefully you will hear him on my show sometime in the near future. Uh, now, let's go to the next topic. I'm trying to make sure I can get all this in because there's so much just, so much that I want to rant about, quite, you know. The coronavirus. The coronavirus. First of all, there's a cover-up. Um, there are more people who are ill and dying in China than they have been reporting. Uh, for example, right now they're saying that there are 4,500 people who are ill from the coronavirus in China. But a nurse has told, in China, um, in Wuhan, has told the media that, um, or one media, one um, print media, that there are actually 90,000 people in China who are infected. So I don't know the exact number myself, but I do believe that we are getting a much smaller number um, than what is actually happening. Um, the World Health Organization is dragging its feet on calling it a global emergency. They are doing too little too late. Um, then, you know, the U.S., what, they've, what is new news is that um, they have increased the number of airports that are doing checks when people come in to see if people have symptoms of the coronavirus, you know, notably people coming from China. But, um, but they finally, they realized that uh, the, you know, there's some controversy about this, but there are some scientists who are doctors who have, who are in China have um, stated that 
that if you can you can spread the virus without showing symptoms before in other words before you show symptoms um, you can still spread the virus so when people are being checked at the airport for their symptoms um, cases of coronavirus might well be missed if people are not yet showing symptoms nonetheless um, and you know so one sh- could say or should say in my opinion that we shouldn't be, or any country, any other country outside of China, shouldn't allow anyone in, at least from Wuhan, the place in China where this, uh, that's the center of the coronavirus, where it started from, a, um, a market in Wuhan. And so countries um, should not let people in who, are, who were in Wuhan province um, until this whole thing has been cured. Uh, people are, not as many people are still from it um, because, because this is, this has been, if you look at a map um, about, that shows where people are with the coronavirus, it is now spreading all over the world. And this is going to continue, of course, especially if people from Wuhan keep traveling to other places like us. Um, now, Here's the, here's the part that really um, gets me angry. There are about 1,000 Americans in Wuhan, but the U.S. is sending a charter plane that only rescues 230 people. There were no plans for um, any more. There were no plans for any more planes no plans to, in other words, rescue any more people. This might change. I mean, I've been tweeting about this <laughs> and sending it to lots of media outlets as well. Um, I mean, can you imagine, we know there are a 1,000 Americans, and there's only going to be a plane that takes 230 of them. And to boot, um, they are making people pay if they want to get on this charter plane. So, if you don't have the money and you're in Wuhan, <laughs> um, you're out of luck. And also, n- not just if you don't have the money, but, you know, if you, uh, I don't even know how much they're charging. But the point is, we should not be charging anybody anything to get out, a- any Americans. America should not be charging Americans anything to get out of a country or a region where there is this epidemic, this dangerous epidemic. And what is the reason um, why they can't send more charter planes. Hopefully someone will, will realize that they can. I mean, this is, this is just absurd. Can you, it seems like um, a bad movie. You know, can you imagine this in a movie? You zoom in to people clawing their way to get on the flight. It's, it's, just, it's just unreal. In fact, there was an interview with a woman, uh, a mother and daughter, and she got a seat on this plane, but um, um, she couldn't. She, she where she is is um, twenty miles from the airport. Um, twenty miles from the airport, so um, uh, she can't get to the plane. You know, because the transportation in Wuhan. Um, is, um, is, is there's no transportation because, they're, again, they're trying to, to uh, keep people at home, um, you know, keep the virus from spreading. So, um, so that's, that's what's happening with the coronavirus. How are we doing for time? Oh, I have a little bit more time in this, in this segment. Um, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, <laughs> I could talk for an hour just on the two of them, Oh, man, Um, Prince Harry is really, (laughs) I want to say done for. I hope he's not done for. I mean, I hope he's not uh, permanently done for. But he has been making one mistake after the other. And it all started when he was seduced by Meghan Markle, a bad girl. As many of you know, I wrote the book called Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. And Meghan Markle fits into the categories of bad 
of a bad girl, particularly the gold digger type, but in this case, the gold crown digger type. Um, they, as you know, they left uh, the UK, they left London for Canada because they wanted to have a quieter life um, where, um, where they wouldn't be bothered by the paparazzi and so on. And in fact, they're finding out that in Canada, um, there is, they are still being followed by the paparazzi. What's, what, do you, what did they think? There's no paparazzi in Canada? I mean, um, it was just crazy. Um, so, so they are, you know, he's, oh, I, I just feel really sorry for Harry. And um, um, it, he actually was very vulnerable. In my book, about I talk about what makes men vulnerable to bad girls. And one of the things that makes them vulnerable, you know, it's, it's have there, well, there are a number of different things. I talk about 12 different types of bad girls. And what makes a man vulnerable to a bad girl is a number of things. But one of the things is um, not having a mother or having had some kind of trauma in relation to their mother. And of course, Princess Diana, you know, Harry losing Princess Diana at a young age was incredibly traumatic. And Megan clearly knew how to, uh, as, as all bad girls do, know how to touch on these vulnerabilities and to get to the heart of a vulnerable man. And that is what she has done. And since he met her and since they dated and fell for her and you know, she got him to marry her and got pregnant super quickly <laughs> um, you know, to keep him with her, um, since that time, things have gone from bad to worse. And when we come back, I'll talk more about that, some late, recent developments, and also um, uh, what her father is saying, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Pretty, uh, he's turning out to not be the black sheep, but to be the, the only one who's saying the truth, besides me, of course. <laughs> well, I think we're going to have to take a break now. When we come back, I will tell you more about Megan and Harry um, and what, what, what her father is saying. That's kind of, uh, I, I must give the, give, give the guy credit for um, speaking out like this. Yes, he's done some things in the past, trying to get attention and so on in not such great ways, trying to make money, okay. But, um, but now he's coming through as not the black sheep, but as the person who's saying what needs to be said. Well, when we come back, I will rant a little bit more about them and um, about Kobe and Weinstein. And um, I'll give you an update on the, on the um, I'll go back to the coronavirus to give you an update on what is being done in terms of the, um, um, you know, the, the health, World Health Organization and so on. And we will, and we will go on with all these, you know, there's so much, so many headlines, so little time, so many headlines, so little time. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol Couch and I'm your psychiatrist host. Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, ranting about today's headlines. Um, too many, too many headlines, too little time. Um, I want to, before I go to rant about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, because I could do that all day, um, I just want to tell you some, an update on what the uh, World Health Organization or the, or the, um, the Health, and, Health and Human Services Department and so on are doing. Um, for right now, there are, you know, from by the time, <laughs> if you're listening to this live, um, the count in the United States is at five, five people, and they all recently returned from Wuhan, China. Um, but if people are downloading this, you will be, after, after it went out live, you will, there will be more, I can assure you. Um, so what they are doing, you know, people are saying Americans shouldn't worry, they should worry more about their, the flu, the regular flu, and so on. And that might be true, certainly that is true right now, but, but the point is, that why that not enough is being done quickly enough. You know, you might wonder, well, well, I, I said um, we shouldn't let anyone in from Wuhan, and then I'm talking about how we should bring out rescue uh, more than the number of people that one uh, charter jet can bring out. But that's because, and I should have, I, I meant to mention, that that's because these people who are going to be taken out um, from Wuhan, Americans, the few, the lucky few, uh, are going to be going, are going to be, first of all, tested um, before they get on the plane. And then, again, but again, they might not, they might have it and just not have the symptoms. Uh, And then they're going to stop off, I think it was in Alaska, and uh, do a check there too. And then they're going to bring them to a place in California where I live, um, but, but a more or less uh, not very heavily populated area. And they're going to be doing checking, and hopefully they're going to be quarantining them for enough days to, to figure out whether or not these people are carriers. Um, so, you know, so if, if people, so yes, it's not really a contradiction. Yes, we should bring out the Americans who are there uh, and quarantine them to make sure that they don't spread it. So uh, other news is that there, is, there are going to be more airports um, that are going to have these checks. There, there were five, and now they're going to be increasing them. Um, so so, um, so that's, that's, that's the news. So, so don't worry. There are going to be more, <laughs> more checks at the... At the uh, it's interesting, though, that some people, some Americans um, in Wuhan didn't want to get on the charter flight, some because they were married or in a relationship with someone who lived in Wuhan and they didn't want to leave their partner and, and their kids. Some of them had kids. Um, but some of them who didn't have a tie necessarily to Wuhan, a family, didn't want to get on because they didn't want to be in an airplane, you know, a closed spa- space. Airplanes are rather are hotbeds for getting germs anyhow. You know, how many of you, maybe, I'm sure you've probably gone on a plane and come back and you had a cold or something because of people sneezing and coughing on the plane. So, yeah, I mean, if you could think about it that way if you were in a plane with a bunch of people from Wuhan, <laughs> checked or not checked, um, that could be daunting. But, um, but still, if I were in Wuhan, I would be clawing my way to get on that plane, I'll tell you. All right, now, going back, getting back to uh, Prince Harry and Meghan, which is a lot more, what, um, 
Uh, I don't know. It's not really fun um, because I, I really do feel sorry for him, as I said before. Um, so he was very vulnerable. Megan realized he was vulnerable. She knew just how to, um, uh, what, seduce him, and I don't just mean sexually, uh, seduce him to being her boyfriend and um, getting to be a princess. Every every little girl's dream, you know, from from her first uh, Disney movie, Everybody, every little girl wants to be a princess. So, um, but from the beginning, it was clear that this was not going to go well. People tried at the wedding, you know, the royal family and, and uh, uh, London certainly, and, and not, not that everybody, yes, there were some people, I mean, it wasn't, there were some people who were against Megan, absolutely, but it was not about racism. You know, everybody, not everybody, she and, and uh, you know, and she convinced Harry to take it as, this is racism, why they don't like me. No, girl, <laughs> this isn't racism. It's because they don't like you, because they don't trust you. And indeed, they are now t- telling each other, yes, we were right not to trust her. Because Megan, um, unless you've been under a rock, you know by now that Megan convinced Harry to leave the U.K., and I must give it handed to the queen. She is a very um, classy, smart, uh, you know, she didn't just inherit that job. She's, she's really brilliant. And, and, and she did the right thing by taking away their titles um, and, you know, making certain, uh, certain boundaries, you know, what they were going to lose if they, if they left the UK. And the latest thing is, that um, Harry and Meghan are shocked. Uh, that's TMZ using the word shocked, but yes, I'm pretty sure that that's true. By losing um, the, their, not exactly, a ti- I mean, it is a title, but they were considered youth ambassadors. That was a role that they were, that they were playing, that they had started to play, and they were, thought they were going to be able to continue to play it. So the title was Commonwealth Youth Ambassador. And the Commonwealth is a group of 53 nations, almost all former British territories, such as Canada. And uh, Megan had the symbols um, sewn, sewn into her wedding dress, the symbols of all of the, of the 53 Commonwealth nations. And it was a surprise for Harry. It was a surprise for everybody. And they were very excited about being Commonwealth ambassadors. And they expected, by moving to Canada, that they would be able to continue that there because Canada is one of these nations. So now um, that was stripped away from them, too. Um, you know, Harry is in for it. Let me tell you about... I was. I, <laughs> I told you I was going to mention uh, her father. What her fa- her father is saying it better than I could. I mean, this, I actually said something, but not exactly in these, almost in these words. Um, he has he's there's a lawsuit that Megan is having. Megan and Harry are having against tabloids in London, in the UK, and for things that they wrote about them. And it's possible that. Uh, Megan's father might be called to be a witness. He's agreed to become to be a witness in this lawsuit, but it would be against Megan and Harry. And this is about a letter that um, some of the tabloids got a letter that um, she sent to her father in August 2018. They published her personal letter, and he's angry the way he's been treated. You know, they he hasn't seen. He wasn't, now he didn't get to go to the wedding, in part it was because there was that fiasco of his, you know, having paparazzi pay him for pictures, like him getting dressed up in a suit for the wedding and so on, but then he, all this stress caused him to have a heart attack. And what did Megan do? Did she fly to her father? Okay, granted, there was the wedding, but the, I mean, I'll tell you, if my father, wherever my father was in the world, if he had a heart attack... Wedding or no wedding, I would fly to his side in, in, a heart, in a heartbeat. And she has not even seen him since um, their fallout before the wedding in 2018. And, and he never met um, Prince Harry. 
still, and he's never met his grandson, Archie. Now, Prince Harry, I wish he had had my book. I have been trying to get my book to him so he, before the wedding so that he would read and realize that Mark Megan was a bad girl and not marry her. But um, I wasn't able to make that happen, um, which I feel bad about. And I'm still trying to get my book to him, donate my book. I, he doesn't have to pay for it. <laughs> if, any, if any of you listening out there know how to get my bad girl's book to Harry, I will be happy to um, get one to you. Um, getting back to the father. So, well, let me just say, um, part of one of the ways of, of knowing that someone is a bad girl, and I said I, I profile 12 different types, and um, they each have different psychological beginnings. They had different relationships with their father and their mother and so on, different things that made them become that kind of a bad girl. And, um, but one of the key, one of the constant kinds of problems that each of them have is that they have a bad relationship with their father. And clearly, Megan, at least um, by the time she met Harry, um, had a bad relationship with her father, even though, you know, he, he paid for all her, her education and all kinds of things, and it certainly didn't, wasn't always bad. Um, you know, her family talks about how she's changed since she became Hollywood. Um, but anyhow, so that was one of the ways of telling, one of, the, one of the symptoms, one of the characteristics of a bad girl. They then are attracted to bad boys who then dump them or hurt them, and then they go after good boys who they then use. So somewhere in Megan's life, I'm not saying Harry's a bad boy by any means. He's what I call in my book a sitting duck, vulnerable to a bad girl. Uh, in any case, um, her father, so now that he's, so now he's a loose cannon. Well, he was always a loose cannon, but now he's even more of a loose cannon because he may be testifying in this trial that they have against the tabloids. And by the way, they're thinking or they have sued some tabloids already in Canada because the paparazzi is after them in Canada. Anyhow, he said, her father said, um, uh, wait a minute. It, it would be the worst place to have to meet her and Harry. He's talking about the courtroom. But it might come down to that because I will certainly testify against the things that have been said about me, the lies. But I'm leading up to the uh, to his outrageous comments here. Um, he he said Prince Harry is whipped. Um, you know, there's usually a p word before that. Uh, and he said that his his daughter Megan has turned into Harry's mother. So, yes, you know, Harry needed someone to nurture him. He missed his mother uh, since he was a young boy. Megan knew just what to do to um, be nurturing and um, provide him with this, with this love and attention and sweetness that Princess Diana used to give him. And, um, but yes, Prince Harry is whipped, absolutely, and he has, is, has been giving up so much in his life for Meghan, and notably now leaving the UK, leaving his titles behind, leaving his family behind, his friends. Uh, there, were, there have been reports of how many of his friends don't even have his phone number anymore. Um, and what's going to happen is... When they come to, when the, well, they're already in Canada, but as they're in Canada for a, a while, um, and Megan, and he's not, and they've lost their titles, so he's not the prince anymore. I mean, he's still a prince, but I mean, he's not, uh, she, and she wants to get back into showbiz. Uh, in fact, there are reports that they were talking to Disney about being voiceover artists. I mean, give me a break. You give up... Um, doing, being royalty for the UK and doing all the things that you could do. I mean, Princess Diana, even after she was divorced, did so many things. I mean, she was a, a, so generous and, and carried out so many wonderful causes, you know, worked for so many wonderful causes and visited babies in hospitals, HIV babies and all this kind of stuff. And Harry went to Afghanistan for 10, he was in the military for the UK for 10 years. So he was, he also had a heart like his mother. But Megan has turned his heart around and twisted it, and, and he's giving up all of this because he's blinded by her. 
And this is what happens. And what's really sad, not only is he losing these things, and in fact, just today, um, William and Charles, uh, Prince William and Charles are um, worried about them. And they're even talking about, like, trying to make it easier for them to come back. I mean, they're worried that, that things are just going from, from bad to worse. And, uh, and especially security. That's another thing. Even though they gave up their titles, of course the U.K. still has to uh, provide security because if a terrorist organization got a hold of them, <laughs> you know, that would be a big bargaining chip for, for the terrorists. So... Um, the father also said that they're stepping back from their duties and, you know, their royal duties was the, quote, dumbest thing. Um, I guess I will, I guess I will leave it at that. Um, but, yeah, well, I know there was one thing. I, what I wanted to say was, as they're living in Canada or in the U.S., whatever, outside of, of the U.K., more, and, and um, Megan gets back into showbiz and all that, um, she's going to be the one, the big shot, you know, the, fam- the famous one in the family. She's going to be the one um, who gets more attention and so on. And what do you think is going to happen? It's just a matter of time. You know, I'm not saying tomorrow, but like in a couple of years, um, she'll end up having an affair and she will leave Harry because, you know, if she gets somebody else whose coattails she can ride on um, to become more famous and so on, uh, she'll do that. So Harry, it's, things are not looking good for Harry. And I just wish that he would um, wake up to that. And um, I wish that he would wake up to that and, um, and dump her. You know, I mean, that's, that's another thing. Now that they have Archie, he loves Archie, of course. And uh, it's going to be really hard to dump her at this point. Um, Well, I guess we're going to be ready for another break. When we come back, I will talk to you about Kobe and about um, Weinstein. (laughs) You know, and, and yes, it's things that you will not have heard anywhere else because, as you can tell, um, I tell it like it is and, um, and try to get people to wake up so stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where I'm talking about the crazy headlines, ranting about them, analyzing them. 
Um, you're not going to agree with everything that I'm saying, I'm sure, but um, I'm just trying to get you to think about things in a different way. Uh, and, and talking about things, what you won't hear in the mainstream media, things that other people won't say. So um, I'll talk a little bit about Kobe Bryant. Now, I know you're thinking, oh, God, we've been here. I mean, yesterday um, on the Los Angeles news station, that is all there was. <laughs> all there was. Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant. Now, um, you know, uh, the, the, the um, helicopter tragedy was incredibly sad. It was that, just that, a tragedy. Um, I live, like, right near there, stone's throw away. Um, I saw all morning how foggy it was, um, incredibly, incredibly foggy. Um, and you have to wonder, you know, why, um, why the plane, they don't know yet. And so I don't know yet. I'm not pretending to know what happened for why the plane, the helicopter came down, but, um, but, uh, I do know it was foggy and, um, I can only wonder why the pilot who has a history of being an excellent pilot and he was the pilot that Kobe liked to fly with the most um, and he was a trainer and he was, you know, he had all kinds of credentials and experience, countless hours uh, flying. So, you know, and it seems like he may have made a mistake, but who am I to judge? Um, But one thing I do think about that, is that I wonder about their getting uh, clearance, special clearance. This was a day when the LAPD, Los Angeles Police Department, and the sheriff um, did not send their helicopters up. They were the warnings that they got, the information they got from weather control and light control and all of that um, told them that they shouldn't fly their helicopters. It was too dangerous. And that apparently was what um, Kobe's pilot got too, also at first. But um, then it seemed, again, this is very vague, but it seems like they got some kind of special clearance to fly, even though, even though it wasn't uh, good weather to fly in. So that begs the question, um, did, was it because it was Kobe? You know, did he get special treatment? Did the pilot get special clearance because it was Kobe? If it had been Joe Schmo, would they have gotten clearance from um, whoever gives them clearance, flight control, whatever it's called? Um, probably not. I mean, if the LAPD and the L.A. sheriffs didn't get clearance, then, you know, it's unlikely that Joe Schmo would have. And this is something that often happens with doctors and special patients where, um Sometimes doctors get, you know, they want to keep the celebrity as their patient, and so they do things for the celebrity that that they wouldn't um, that they wouldn't do for Joe Schmo, um, and it usually turns out to be things that end up causing the patient more harm. Um, you know, things like uh, letting the instead of seeing them each time each week. Um, to give them a new prescription or instead of seeing them, the, the, let's say a celebrity calls in and the doctor doesn't insist upon seeing them before he prescribes the medication, all different kinds of things. Um, and I think that that might be, this special treatment might be um, part of the problem of the crash, part of the reasons why it crashed. Anyhow, um, Kobe Bryant, which we all know, was larger than life and he seemed invincible. So that's why people are shocked by his death. I mean, of course, you know, it was an unusual kind of death uh, and sudden and so on. But um, it was also because of who he was. Like you wouldn't, and he was only 41, you wouldn't think that anything could harm Kobe Bryant. And so that's why people are still so shocked by his death, especially kids and especially players who looked up to him. And people aren't only experiencing a sense of loss, you know, losing him, and of course, especially his loved ones and his fans, but his death also makes them confront their own mortality because of what I was just saying about how invincible he seemed. So if he could die, then, you know, what chance do I have? Um, He was in top physical shape. He was... um, you know, it makes people shudder at how their life could be lost in an instant, too. And, in fact, in a lot of news reports, 
Um, they mentioned that there was silence at places where people gathered, like at the site of the crash scene and in other places where they were making memorials and so on because people are in shock. And then what's really sad, too, to add to this, his daughter Gigi died, 13 years old. And um, what's especially sad is that she was supposed to carry on his legacy. You know, they would be interviewed. Sometimes the uh, interviewer would say, it's too bad you don't have daughters. I mean, you don't have sons. I'm sorry. It's too bad you don't have sons. You only have daughters. And And she would pipe up and say something like that, you know, she's got it. She's going to carry on his legacy. And then, um, now what people aren't saying out loud is, why did Kobe take a helicopter to go from Orange County to Thousand Oaks? Now, you know, if, you're, if, you, don't live, if you don't know that distance, it's not, it's not that far. Um, however, there is uh, a traffic problem in California, in Southern California, especially around L.A., and he, lives in, uh, he lived in Orange County, and so he'd have to cross L.A. to get to Thousand Oaks. So, yeah, um, it would have taken a lot more time. And apparently he started using helicopters because um, he realized that he didn't want, he was missing too much time with his family. He didn't want to miss time with his family, like the time that he would spend in traffic he wanted to be with his family. He was really a family man. You know, people think of him um, as, a ba- as a great basketball player. But um, the more that's come out after his death is so touching what a good father he was and how important that was to him. So, um, and they were going, they were traveling in the helicopter to his daughter's um, basketball tournament. She was supposed to play a game of basketball and it kind of seems, when you think about it, you know, losing your life over um, getting to a basketball game is really pretty sad. Um, and um, uh, so, so, you know, so people, so a lot, so when people die, anybody, and I don't mean just celebrities, but when people die, um, besides the grief and sadness and, and all that, there is a little bit of anger because of feeling abandoned by the person. Of course, the person didn't want to die. They didn't try to, you know, they, in most cases, we're not talking about suicide. Um, they didn't want it. They wouldn't have, they would have preferred not to have died. Um, but, but, uh, so when, so in terms of Kobe, besides all of the shock and grief and sadness and everybody remembering, not everybody, people who were sports fans, LA Lakers uh, fans, you know, they, they, that's a loss because he was, they enjoyed rooting for him. Um, people in L.A. enjoyed rooting for the L.A. Lakers, and uh, he was part of their bringing back lots of wins and so on. So that's a loss. But there's also some anger at feeling abandoned by him. And then when you think about it being a helicopter ride, there are people who are thinking, why did he have to take a helicopter to go from Orange County to Thousand Oaks? Um, then um, perhaps Kobe himself got caught up in feeling that he was invincible. So if, if, um, if, people are, if, you, if you're one of the people who are feeling particular grief about Kobe's death, um, then you need to be careful, uh, recognize that you're, not, that you're a little distracted by all of this, and um, and be careful driving, operating machinery, talking to other people too emotionally, too angrily. You know, just just realize that you might need to chill out uh, today or this next week or however long it's going to take you to feel to to sort of process Kobe's death. Um, hmm. Harvey Weinstein. God, there's hardly any time left, but I will. Because, but there's, the trial is going on, so I might well talk about him again. I did a show about Harvey Weinstein in the past. You might uh, go back through archives if you'd like to hear something about him. Um, but what I will say is, you know, there are uh, a number of, of responses that people have to um, being raped or to any kind of traumatic situation. There's flight and um, fright, flight, 
uh, you know, fear uh, or fright, flight, uh, and freeze. We just freeze. And then there's also something called um, the fawning response. Now, that is a response um, which particularly relates to a sexual assault where um, you try to get out, out of danger or it also could relate to like being um, um, someone trying to rob you or carjack you or something like that, although it's more easily understood in terms of sexual assault. In any case, it's another kind of response, automatic response. And this is when the victim tries to get out of the danger of being assaulted by taking on a persona that tries to please the perpetrator, in this case, Harvey Weinstein. Now, this is an immediate reaction to imminent danger that the victim uses. In other words, they just try to be sweet to the perpetrator, try to pretend, um, you know, that this is okay and that um, uh, just trying to make the, the perpetrator feel, you know, feel good, feel um, that you want this and so on. This is what the um, prosecutor and at least some of the women are using as an explanation for why they uh, went through with it and why Harvey is saying that the sex was consensual. Now, it wouldn't explain, however, I mean, first of all, you know, you have to look at other things like they were fawning, (laughs) fawning because they wanted him to put them in movies. That's the real fawning. In any case, um, you know, this can't explain the emails and the texts and the other things that the women sent him after they were out of danger, after he was no longer in the room. Um, and they asked to see him again and, and you know, so on. Really, it was, it was really fawning about, you know, getting him to put them, um, give them a big role in a Hollywood movie. That's what the fawning was about it. I'm not, I'm not saying that Harvey Weinstein didn't rape anybody. I don't know. I wasn't in the room. However, I do know that more people, more women have jumped on the bandwagon, and especially the Me Too bandwagon, to allege that Harvey Weinstein did things to them and that they had no, um, that it was not consensual. They had no role in this when really for some of the women that is not exactly the truth. So this uh, case, this trial, is not a slam dunk. I think a lot of the, the whole Me Too movement thought, great, we're going to get him. Well, it's not going to be as easy as all that um, because, you know, they're, it's not going to be as easy as all that to prove that it wasn't consensual. There's, it's very hard in a he said, she said kind of trial altogether, Harvey Weinstein and other people, it's hard to prove one way or the other. So we're going to see what happens. Okay, I feel better <laughs> now that I've ranted about all of these things. I hope that, um, I hope you found it interesting too. So thank you for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.